Hello, my name is Stephanie Rainier. I'm the Education Program Manager at MinAdopt, and today I'm talking to Mark Markell about grief and loss for children in foster care. Mark teaches at St. Cloud State University in the Department of Special Education. He also teaches at Worsham College of Mortuary Science and an online class for university in Korea. He teaches death education to second and third graders and sixth and seventh graders at Mayflower United Church of Christ. Mark earned his PhD from University of Minnesota in Educational Psychology. He is a certified professional development specialist through the University of Kansas Center for Research on Learning. Mark is a certified thanatologist through the Association of Death Education and Counseling and certified in death and grief studies from Colorado State University through the Center of Loss and Life Transition. We've asked Mark to talk to us about the additional challenges foster parents might be experiencing during the COVID-19 crisis. Hi, Mark. Hi, Stephanie. Thanks for having me. Mark, let's start by talking about how this current situation with COVID might amplify stress for youth in foster care. There are many unknowns for all of us right now, but what might it look like for a child with significant losses? Yes, well, Children in foster care have already experienced a lot of loss, such as the loss of their families of origin, their school, friends, familiar surroundings. So because of COVID-19 and the stay at home order, they may now have also lost their new school, new teachers and friends, and not seeing their parents in the same way that they used to. They now have to get used to uh, distance learning and physical distancing. Because of these changes, children may feel totally out of control and overwhelmed. As foster parents are helping their children cope with these changes, they may want to think of ways that the child can have some choice so that they have something in their lives that they can control. It could be something little like having the choice of what food they're going to have for dinner. Perhaps you'd give them a choice between chicken and hamburger. If there's some children in the household that um, are more than just one, you could have them take turns choosing. Maybe the choice would be what story you're going to read to them at bedtime. The other thing to keep in mind is to be as honest as possible in as developmentally appropriate way as you can. So for instance, if an eight-year-old child asks if the people they love are going to die from COVID-19, it would be appropriate to say something like, probably no one you love will die from COVID-19. People are being safe, washing their hands often, and staying a physical distance from each other. If someone you love does die, however, there'll be someone there to take care of you. It's best to always be honest in as gentle a way as possible giving children false information by saying that no one you love is gonna die from the virus would probably be to protect them, but in the long run, being honest is always best. Often children are not only concerned about the well-being of people that they love, but also they want to make sure that if a care provider dies, that they're gonna be taken care of. So assuring children that they will be taken care of is very helpful. Great. Thank you, Mark. Those are good ideas. Next, can we, um, can you share some examples of, um, on how families might be able to validate their child's feelings during this difficult time? Absolutely. It's so important for children, actually for everyone, to be validated for whatever they're feeling. 
when you validate a child's feelings, you don't necessarily need to approve of how the feeling was expressed. But what you're telling the child is that all feelings are valid, no matter what they are feeling. So for example, if you notice a child is angry, you could say something like, it sounds as if you're angry about not seeing your mom as much as you used to. You know, I'd be angry if I wasn't able to see a person I love very often too. Being angry is natural and it's healthy. And yet we need to remember that when we're angry, we can't hurt ourselves, other people or property. So what can we do to show that we're angry without hurting anyone or anything? Another example might be with schoolwork. And if a student is or a child is frustrated with the work that they're doing, you could say something like, I see that you're frustrated with your schoolwork. When I have something difficult to do and I need to do it even though I don't want to, I feel frustrated too. Let's take a break. And then when we come back in about 10 minutes, we will come up with a plan. And so then in about 10 minutes, when the child comes back to work, you might say, okay, so what might we do to make this task less frustrating? Maybe break it into small steps, have me explain it, contact the teacher, look at an instructional video together. So what you're doing is you're telling the child that their feelings are valid. You're normalizing the feelings by saying how you or someone else might feel and you help the child come up with a solution. The most important thing about validation is to affirm their feelings, no matter what those feelings are, as normal, natural, and healthy. Thank you, Mark. Those are good reminders. I think in this situation, me personally as a parent, I wanna to try to fix things, but I think you're right. Validating feelings right now is most important. Uh, lastly, we know that in grief support, the use of symbols or rituals can be really helpful for children. Do you have any specific examples that may help for a child who has been separated from their birth family? Yes, the use of rituals or ceremonies can be very helpful. However, rituals by definition are symbolic or they're abstract. And this can be challenging for children who are concrete thinkers. So it's important to make the ritual as explicit as possible. Some examples of rituals may include um, the use of FaceTime, Zoom, Skype, or phone calls. That can be a good way of connecting and maybe connect with specific others um, that the child is missing at the same time each day or each week or email once a week or text. And maybe one thing that the child could do is to say one thing that they did that was fun one thing that the child is concerned about, and one thing they miss about the person that they're talking with or that they're um, texting with. This can give the child a structure for a conversation. Alan Wolfelt, who is a leading expert working with grieving children, he says that when words are inadequate, have a ritual. Some other rituals, some other ritual ideas that might, might work is maybe look at a picture of the person that the child misses and say a phrase, a poem, a prayer, maybe something like, I miss you, I love you, I hope you are safe, and you are in my thoughts today. It could be that you would use a candle lighting kind of ritual, and it could be light a candle of love, and you would be explicit about telling the child that the flame reminds us of how much we love the person and just like our feelings, the flame is 
bright and warm. The child could also put a small rock in a bowl each day, and maybe the child could write a word or a message on the rock. And this is a way for the child to look at these rocks and see their feelings and their thoughts about what they had that day. They could draw flowers in an I miss you garden, uh, maybe draw a picture of a new flower in the garden each day and remind the child that it's like love growing each day bigger and more beautiful, just like the flowers. Maybe the child could write a worry down on a piece of paper and put it into a box, a worry box, or throw it out, or maybe bury it. And so that there's something to do with that, that concern that the child has. Sometimes children have ideas of what they would like to do for a ritual and they could help put together some ideas. A consistent ritual can help with some predictability in a time when so much is unknown and the ritual can, can always be there for the child. Thank you, Mark. Those are wonderful ideas. We are hoping this information helps all of you who are listening today. If you need additional support, please consider reaching out to our help staff here at MinAdopt. You can look for more information on our website, which is minadopt.org. We also have lots of great live webinars coming up and would encourage you to check out our website for more information. I'd like to point out Mark's upcoming online webinar titled Helping Ourselves, Children and Teens Grieve. If you missed the live version, please go to our webinar library. Again, a special thanks to Mark and have a great day. Thank you.